Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Self Love for All podcast. I'm your host, Michaela. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I greatly appreciate it. Today's episode, I have a special guest on Desmond. We talked about mental health with black men and therapy for black men since Desmond does want to pursue becoming a therapist one day. Today's episode is pretty lengthy, so I'm not going to talk long and just get straight to it. I hope you all enjoy. Health in the mental health field. So I'm going to let Desmond introduce himself. Michaela, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so proud of you. Um, I was Michaela's community programmer when she came to Eastern, and um, I got a chance to get to know her. She got a chance to get to know me, and I'm so grateful that we've been able to stay connected. Oh, you're amazing. Um, but I'm Desmond Robinson. I graduated in April um, at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> uh, with my bachelor's in psychology. And my goal is to be a therapist. And I want to specialize in depression and anxiety. And I want to host um, support groups for those who have lost someone to suicide. And I also want to work with young people to help them develop positive identity through literature and media, which is music and books and writing and all kinds of things. Um, I I was president of, of our campus's Active Minds for two years. Um, when I first became president, we didn't have uh, a lot, lot of members. So we had to restructure everything. We had to change our social media presence. We had to network with people and we had to um, really think of new ways to engage our campus. And next thing you know, a lot of hard work and diligence and intentional um, connecting. We had 20 plus members consistently and we won most outstanding student organization award. And Active Minds is a um, national organization with campuses who are um, who are participating in the work and we combat the negative mental health stigma. We um, raise suicide prevention awareness and we promote a think culture. No, a seek help culture. It's been a while since I had to say that script. And I bring this up because now Michaela is the president of this organization. And it means a lot to me because um, Michaela was a transfer student and a lot of transfer students, um, they have a sense of um, doubt if they believe they should be where they are. And a lot of campuses don't really make space for transfer students to feel welcome. So for her to um, join a student organization and then eventually become president of it, oh, I'm so proud of her. And um, I'm kind of proud of myself too for taking her to the organization and it makes me so happy to have um to help lead black people to doing mental health work and that's something that i want to do for the rest of my life so i'm also a writer i'm a poet photographer um i am a fashionista okay i try to make everything coordinate okay like pop said you got to coordinate you got to coordinate um i try to add light wherever i go but i'm not afraid to talk about the real because What's the point of being happy all the time if you can't really deal with the real stuff in life? So um, I think that is um, me. And lastly, I guess, 
Right now I'm pursuing my um, master's degree in higher education and student affairs. And then after this, thank you. And then um, after that degree, I plan to get another degree in either social work or counseling so I can finally become a therapist. So thank you, Michaela. Yes, super. I'm so excited for you, Desmond. And yeah, I did meet, I met you during um, your senior year, but still like we've still been connected and you just bring light and your presence is just amazing. So I'm just really grateful to have met you at Eastern and just you kind of like you do such a great job with networking with um, the transfer students or just students period at Eastern. So thank you for that. Um, so, yes. So first, we're going today, we're going to be talking about um, mental health and the black community and from a black man's perspective. Because I only know some things, but Desmond is a black man, a young man, so he has definitely more experience than me. And kind of also talking about therapy, since you do want to pursue being a therapist. So firstly, I would like to ask you, was therapy, or sorry, was mental health discussed around you growing up, or therapy, were they both discussed um, in your environment? Hmm. So mental health wasn't something that um, was really talked about in a helpful context uh, when I was younger because you know how people are, you know, when they see something messed up happen or they see someone who's struggling, they say, oh my God, they're crazy. Because when we think about mental illness, we automatically picture this person in a robe outside the street yelling at some yelling at something that other people can't see. We automatically think of someone who's violent and we can't help. But really when you have so we need to talk about what mental health is, right? Mental health is like the state of your mind. And if you in let's say a good healthy state of mind, it isn't always happiness, right? It's when you are able to do what you want to do and you are able to organize your time, organize things in your life to be productive and to get what you want to have done. It's kind of hard to have that kind of mental health every day of our life because so many things are happening. So when, when we start getting mentally ill, our capacity to do those things and our organization in our life starts to deplete. And our and the control that we have starts to um, be a little less hard um, to manage. So with that being said, it wasn't put out like that for me. And mental health became an early thing for me in my life because in second grade, um, well, I would have been bullied because of how small my eyes are or my mannerisms or my voice. And in second grade, no, sorry, it was first grade. It's been so long. Um, in first grade, I attempted to take my life in class. My um, my teacher, luckily she caught me um, and she put me on the phone with my mother and my mom was just crying, crying, crying. Um, there's nothing more that a brother hates than to hear his mama cry, okay? So... Internally, I just felt, oh, my God, I, I, I can never do this again. I will never try this again. And I ended up having to go to therapy. And it's been so long because I was so little, but I remember therapy being, like, very quiet. Um, the lady was very nice to me, and she asked me a lot of questions about myself, and that's really all I remember. So because of that experience, mental health um, was 
wasn't really talked about in my life, but it was something that I had to address at a at a very young age. Right. Thank you for sharing that, Desmond. Um, I think that's super important. And as Black men, you all don't really express yourselves or tell your stories in that way. So I applaud you for being honest and vulnerable with sharing your story. And I know you kind of touched based on this in your introduction of why, or what inspired you to get your degree in psychology and becoming a future therapist. Is there anything you wanted to add on to that? Um, another inspiration? Hmm. Well, this one's going to be fun. So I've always loved Medea. <laughs> I've always loved Medea. And I discovered her in middle school. And what it was, Medea, she had this fun personality. She was super duper hilarious. But she also had some wisdom to her. And that would make her lovable, both of those things. She was a little edgy also. <laughs> there might be a better word to describe Medea than edgy, but I'm going to pick edgy. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I want to be like that. I want to have that balance. I want to be able to help my friends. And at the time, I was learning poetry. So I started to write poetry. And of course, I had a lot to write about because, you know, I was upset. I was being bullied. So I wrote about that. But then I was like, how can I turn this into a positive thing? And then I said, okay, well, cool. So then I started to listen to Mary J. Blige. You know, Mary J. Blige, No More Drama, that song, and the world to me. And my friends, they would talk about things they were going through. So I would write poems for them to help them get through what they were going through. And I was like, dang, Desmond, how can you write and help people in this capacity and get paid for it as a job? And um, How Did I Get Married came out. And Janet Jackson was a therapist and also a writer. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm going to be that, a therapist. So, and then I Google how to become a therapist. And at the time, I thought the way to become a therapist was to get a bachelor's degree in psychology and then get a master's and a um, PhD in psychology. Later on, I learned that you can get a, you know, BSW and a MSW. You can get a counseling degree. There's so many different paths to it. But that's how I became um, knowing that I wanted to become a therapist. Nice. Yeah, I do remember um, Janet Jackson in that movie. And yeah, she was, she had her book. She had, you know, this perfect life, quote unquote. But yeah, I think it is important um, that we do have more therapists of color, Black therapists. So personally speaking, have you ever had an experience with a Black therapist? I have one. And it was very brief because I came to her um, like this, right? I was having a really tough time, really tough time. And a lot of people on campus know about CAPS, but we have a counseling clinic in the bottom of Porter and they do therapy there. The difference between them and CAPS is that some of the people who work there um, are being trained to become therapists. Mm. Um, They're still in training. So I went down there after a long day. This is actually the first time I walked out of class. My teacher made me mad, okay? I say I can't I can't do this no more. I got out I got a class and I left in the middle of her lecture without saying anything. <laughs> I was oh I was angry. And the lady she came, you know, I, I and I went downstairs. I said, Do you guys do walk-ins? She she said, not no, but you look kind of upset. 
do you want to talk to someone? <laughs> I said, yes, please. <laughs> and um, and I talked to her for a little bit until she found someone, you know, else for me to talk to, you know, was seemed like a more senior um, therapist. So that's my only quick experience with her. Do you think that Black men need therapy? A lot of conversation has come up that Black men, it should be mandatory for them to go to therapy. What are your thoughts and views on that conversation? Everybody should have access to therapy. Everybody should have access to it. And it should be affordable. And because everyone should, of course, Black men should um, be able to have access to therapy. Um, When I first started to understand therapy and stuff like that, I get really, I get um, a little, um, let's see, um, hesitant when I say mandatory to go to therapy because like people should like people should go to therapy because they want to go to therapy for two reasons: one, because I don't know their rights, and two, because that's how they're gonna make the best progress. Um, people who want to go to therapy, I feel like they can, they already have. Um, goals and plans and a desire for the process. Someone who's being forced to go to therapy, they might try to get it, just go for a requirement. Listen, dog, okay, just I gotta come here to get this thing so I can get my license back. Let's just wrap this thing up. Or someone goes, that's my family says something's wrong with me, so I'm here. You tell me what's wrong. It's like, that's not going to be helpful to you. You wanna go in saying, I know I have this issue, but I have problems dealing with it. Could you help me? And black men, we have a very unique experience in this life. You know, so much police brutality and the racism of it all. And then the societal pressure of being a black man. Um, it's like, how can you be a man holding down the household? And then when you walk outside, there's so many things out there trying to tell you that you're less than a man. And then you have to come home and try to be strong for your family. And then you can't always. And when you can't, you try to cope. But you're not allowed to cry because Black men are weak if we cry. And we're weak if we talk about our problems. So we try to do things to suppress our problems, whether it be drinking or smoking or sometimes sex. You know, it could be dangerous behavior. You know, and then since we're around people who our homies might not talk about mental health either. So then they are only validating and affirming this toxic behavior. And it's a negative cycle. And I think a way to interrupt that cycle is to have a brother be able to just pause for a moment. You know what I'm saying? And just acknowledge stuff is getting tough out here in these streets. Okay. It ain't right. And I got, and I'm upset about it. Okay. Life is hard. It's hard for a brother. Let me tell you why. You know, a brother need, need to be able to express himself, to let to let people know what the deal is. Because if he can't, the problems are going to surface and manifest in ways that are going to be problematic for him and for the people he loves. So I think when a Black man says that he wants to go to therapy to improve his life, um, I get very, very happy because it's like a generational um, breaking of trauma. Black people, you know, there's there's studies on it, you know, that we have 
generational trauma. And one of the best ways to address it is to start healing. And we can't heal from something we don't address. And Black men have a lot of healing to do. Um, so, yes, Black men should go to therapy. Um, they should have access to it. Um, period. Pooh. <laughs> Yeah, everything you said was valid. Yeah, it does. It needs to be accessible. And I think that's what the problem is in our community, that it's not accessible. It costs too much. People don't have insurance to go to therapy. Um, so I think that we need to find ways and resources to make it more accessible. Start. Um, I know there are organizations like G Herbo. He's a rapper. He started an organization called Swerving Through Stress. And he has that organization where he... It's based, I don't know if it's nationwide um, or if it's just in Chicago where he's from, but I know that he raises money and has therapy sessions, like there um, act, has access to therapy for the, um, for the members to go to therapy and for free and they raise money for it. So I think having stuff started like that needs to be common in all states. So I don't know if it is, but I'll look into it. But I think that's a good first step to having therapy be accessible and, and something that Black men can have. Um, was there anything you want to add or no? Um, and I think there are sliding scales too. Some people, um, some organizations being private practices, they have really low um, prices and Google searches, um, it you might be able to find something good for you. And um, we might talk about this later, but also when you find your therapist, it's a good it's a good job for you to know how to use that time to um, people go to therapy expecting a certain thing. And then because their expectation isn't um, how therapy is really set up, then they start to get back um back to thinking, oh, this isn't for me. So not only do we need access to therapy financially, but we also need to have um, a positive outlook on therapy and its process and to have an understanding of what its purpose is too. Because a lot of things is that we want to throw money at things, but we need to also deal with the social construct of how we see therapy and mental illness too at the same time. Mm -hmm. Nice. How can Black men, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how can Black men, Black women, just peers, how can we help debunk the stigma of mental health and therapy for Black men? Oh, what a beautiful question. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, first off, we need to build a sensitivity to each other's struggle. Um, I took a Black women's politics and racism class um, I loved that class. It was the first class that I had I was full of Black women. Oh, wow. First time I got a chance to hear from so many different Black women on their personal experiences of life, their journeys, their identity, their experience of life and people and the messages that they get, their history, the tropes, so many things. And what I learned is that I have to build a sensitivity to the black um, woman's struggle, right? And I and a lot of women were saying that um, whenever whenever they try to tell a brother 
what they're going through, he would try to bring up what he's going through. Instead of hearing her out, he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, but no, I'm a black man. I, I, they're always coming after me. They always treat me wrong. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> can you wait your turn? Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about you right now. <laughs> they can talk about you next, or they can talk about you first, but then you listen to her. You know? So it's like we have to build a sensitivity to each other's struggle. Because the thing is, also in, in uh, research in, in Black mental health, we get so um, accustomed to the struggle where we think it's a norm and we don't realize that, no, this is not normal. This is not how life is supposed to be, you know? Because if we really kept the real, Michaela, <laughs> we everything on this planet has somehow been socially constructed. If we were just living naturally, there would be no such thing as rent. You know <laughs> what I mean? So that's just like a a, a random like you know a, a random example of how social constructs limit our reality and how things should be. And I, I say this to say that racism has really shaken up the black community because we're all trying to find our ways to end it, to survive it, to heal from it. One of our it, it may not be a priority, but it's a huge thing that we have to tackle as opposed to just living our regular life like some other groups might be able to do. White people. They are able to do that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if a white person gets evicted, right? you are like, oh man, I got evicted. This is terrible, you know? But then a black person gets evicted and they have to worry about biases also. They're like, did that person... Like, are they doing this to me because I'm black? You know, why are so many people like who look like me going through this? It's like an added stressor, you know what I mean? On things like this. And I think when black people as individuals can listen to each other, instead of saying, be strong, go to church and pray about it. You know, just let it go, man. Hey, 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 that's life, bro. Going, you know, hey, okay. Instead of saying that, saying, dang, I see why it's hard for you. You know, you don't have to say I'm going through the same thing, even though that you are, you know, give people space to say what's going on. You know, black men need that. Black women need that. Black children need that. You know, black kids, you know, we also, you know, black kids have unique experiences. You know, how, I mean, what do people expect? You know, to be the children of oppressed people, of oppressed parents. How are you going to parent a child when society tries to treat you like a child? Deducing your accomplishments and reducing your skills and your potential to nothing. How are you supposed to parent? And as a child, what is it like for you to see your parent be crippled by this kind of oppression. So black kids, they have to talk about these things too, and they have to also be able to be heard, you know? So I think what black people can do as a community for each other is to listen to each other first of all, and then advocate for each other. Black women, ain't no better advocate than a black woman, okay? Black women will hold it down no matter what. 
She said, yeah, I know what he did. Okay, I know what he did. But I still my baby. Okay, that's still my man. Okay, black man need to go at, at um, Jeff's heart for that woman. You know, yeah, okay, that's my girl though. Okay, I ain't gonna say it again. That's my wife. That's my baby. You know, and it has to be a balance. No superwoman complex. You know, black women don't have to take up everything. She can take a part of it, then a brother take out the other part or whoever she wants to be with, you know? I hate that people have to be struggling by themselves, bottom line, you know? And also it's like um, black men don't have to be in a relationship with a black um, with a black woman to support them. You know, whenever I see a black girl outside, when it's raining outside, and she ain't got no umbrella. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, I get in my feelings. I run over there and I say, can I walk you to class? Please say yes. And I walk her to class. I don't want her to get her hair wet. Right. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, I can't stand it. Or, you know, like when I see a black woman walking alone at nighttime or oh, my, my worst one, when I see a black woman taking her trash out, I say, girl, run it. Give it up. Hand it here. Give me that trash. You know, I just, I just feel like that black women, as, as it's been written and said, are the most disrespected person in America. And black men know that. But they also feel like that sometimes that we are. And we don't have to put on the most or the least titles, right? We don't have to do that. We just have to say, I see you struggling, baby. And I I see you struggling, baby. Let me help you. And can you help me too? Yay and nay, okay? Say yay, please. Um, But yeah, so bottom line, we got to help each other out. Listen to to each other. We all going through it. Definitely, yeah. I feel like mental health needs needs to be discussed more in Black friendships, Black relationships, Black households. And, like, an example is I asked my brother and my dad, like, how's your mental health? They're like, it's fine. It's okay. Why are you, like, they're like, why are you asking me this? Like, they were just really confused. And I'm trying to start a conversation with them. My dad is 46 or 47, and my brother is 17, about to be 18. He's about to go to college. So I'm trying to, like, talk to him about, like, all this stuff. And he's just like, just, you know, leave me alone, brush it off or whatever. And my dad, he's actually a um, mental health professional. He's a physician assistant. And he talks to patients about mental health and also physical health. But he does have some mental health patients. So he has a conversation with them as well. So um, trying to get that conversation started more and my household, um, I feel like I have the responsibility of doing that because my parents didn't do that growing up. So now that I know more about mental health, I feel like I have this job to talk to my family about it. So what do you think about the barbershops having therapy sessions? I know that people have pros and cons about it because they feel like it's not confidential because the barbershops are open space. And then some people think that it's a positive because 
black men, they know that they're not going to go out themselves and go to therapy. They know every black man goes to the barbershop pretty much and gets their hair cut. So having that accessible there for them is a good option. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, because a barbershop is a business, you know. So that's a, so I read that in an article one time, you know, that barbers they had issues. But, well, this this isn't a therapy clinic, okay? This is... Be cutting your hair, okay? Now you can say what you want in my chair, you know, for the time being. But after I line you up, I need you to step up, okay? <laughs> and cash over, okay? We can talk about whatever you want. I'm here. I'll listen, you know. But um, I love the idea of using the barbershop, collaborating with the barbershop as a mental health resource. Um, it can act as a gateway. Um, it can act as a second hand to help you take that next step to go to therapy. Um, I loved, I, I would love to have mental health flyers and resources, you know, on the walls at barbershops. I would love to um, see if the barbers would like to participate in um, free um, mental health trainings outside of the barbershop um, or maybe even in a, in a location um, after hours or whatever, just so they can recognize it. You know what I mean? Um, not everybody is comfortable with dealing with mental health because, again, remember, they picture someone who's irate and someone who is out of control and someone violent. And it's not always like that. You know what I mean? And even then, um, people in those situations, they're more likely to hurt themselves than to hurt someone else. And furthermore, um, I, I adore the idea of um black men like i like i adore the barbershop when i whenever i i, I go to my barbershop you know for, first of all when a brother get a lineup okay his confidence his self-esteem michaela immediately shoots in the air bam okay he feels like a better man you know he feels he feels fly he feels crispy he feels strong you know, um, when I can go somewhere feeling really, really sad, because that's, that's how I discovered Dollar Night for the High Top. <laughs> I was very sad one day. I told my barber, I said, just cut it. I said, cut the size off. Just do something trash. Cut the size off. And when he did it, I looked in the mirror. I said, dang. How about cheesing? <laughs> So it's like a barbershop already helps um, increase a, um, a brother's mental health in a positive way. So I think um, having more resource, resources there and seeing it as a good um, opportunity to engage people in that um, is a beautiful idea. And I have to ask my barber about that, see what they're doing at, at, at the shop that I go to, ask him if I can help with that. Yeah, I was listening to a, another podcast and it was um, a guest on there. She is, uses psychotherapy. It's like she majored in like she went to cosmetology school and she also went to school to be a psychologist. So she kind of combined the two as yes. psychotherapy. So it's like mm-hmm. hair therapy, kind of like similar to the barbershop perspective, but from a woman's perspective. Make sure you listen to part two in episode 16.